At Coco Talk, we'd like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show. So our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Al Hartman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Dinty from Dinty's Hideaway, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Frodo, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunk, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., and Tim Lindner. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage. Sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Welcome to Coco Talk, episode 181. Today's host is Nick Marotta, backup streamer on duty today. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tanny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. hello all right good afternoon everybody welcome to coco talk it's good to have you all here i am your host nick morona and uh thank you mark bosley our 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 streamer today how you doing man pretty good as long as the internet holds out all right let's hope yes there's some uh different people having internet internet for you (laughs) <laughs> Take me later. All right, so let's uh, let's go through the panel and uh, do some introductions. So, Jason Reichard. Why, hello. I, I'm all I'm all ready to go. I've got my magnifi- magnifying visor. I've got my diet Dr Pepper for those who aren't here and uh, etc. Yes, David Ladd, we missed you. David Ladd's not here today, so we have our our, our backup David Ladd here as well. <laughs> our, our poor David yes. Ladd substitute. Mm-hmm. Hashtag <laughs> fake David Ladd. Hey, and and he's doing double duty, actually triple duty today. Backup David Ladd, backup Mark Overhoser, and he's posting the links. 
Wow, you're, you're only yeah. one man. Don't don't look <laughs> Does Why the backup David Ladd get excited by this this thing I've got holding in my hand here? <laughs> okay, can you do David Ladd doing Mark Overhoser? <laughs> I, I I think that might be like an inception type moment or something. Or I think that may fracture my apple the over here. I think that oh, might background. fracture the space time continuum. <laughs> that's gonna break the internet. Yeah. Oh, thanks, for be- zero. thanks for being here, Jason. Uh, now we have Michael, uh, Mikey, Michael Furman. How you doing? Hey guys, I'm doing all right. Decided to uh, show my face this time, so I'm here to uh, poke fun at y'all. <laughs> oh, well, we appreciate that. It's a very important role. So thank you for being here. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Dave 6809. I thought you were 6309. Anyway, Mr. Dave 6809. <laughs> Downgrade. Yeah, hey, guys. How you doing? Yeah, no fires this week. I've been doing mostly uh, software hacking. So, All right. Great to have oh, you. Oh, we've got fires for you here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like your avatar. Yes. All right. Ron Delvo. Yes. How you doing? Very good. Everybody's good out here in... Uh, Backlands of Arizona. All right. Uh, fellow Canadian, L. Curtis Boyle. Hello, everyone. How are you doing in Canada? We have our Thanksgiving coming up this weekend. Yeah, this weekend. That's why I, I'd have to cut the show short anyway, because apparently I have to go help my mom with some stuff. So, Oh. well, then. I was going to actually watch the wedding, which, of course, is going to be streaming for us in the Coco community for Marco Verholzer. But mm-hmm. uh, I probably won't be able to catch it live. Oh, well. Are you on turkey duty? Well, I'm, I'm on a whole bunch of things duty. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. The mom list duty. All right. Uh, from down under, uh, software developer extraordinaire, Mr. Nick Morentes. Oh, really? Is he here? Oh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he keeps hanging around us for some yeah, reason. How, how do we get that guy? it was Nick guy. Marionettes on ROM cartridge. Sorry, the word extraordinary threw me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, that's it threw all of us. That's what you wrote for me to say, though. Did I, did I not? Uh... Do I have to pay you now? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Great to have Thank you here. You. All right, now we have uh, Patrick Euland. Hey, hey. Happy hey. to be closer to Canada than the hurricanes, so. It's <laughs> good. Yeah, no yeah. snow yet. Right? Not for a couple weeks yet. Hey, my maple tree's still green in the back, so life oh. is good. All right, thank you for being here. And uh, now we have R. Alan Murphy. Howdy, howdy from the South Coast. How you doing? How's it hanging? Ah, uh, well, um, once again, we seem to have dodged a hurricane-shaped bullet, so it's oh, doing much good. better this weekend than it could have been. Good yeah. to hear. Yep. I have a question. Is is this our Alan Murphy compared to their Alan Murphy? Probably. Okay. And unfortunately, you got the short end of the stick on that one. <laughs> <laughs> There's a much better guy I heard. <laughs> and last but not least, the uh, creator of the Vader Coco edition, Vader edition Coco, Mr. Terry Stiggy. Hello, everybody. Hi, Terry. Oh, wait, did I introduce David O'Connor? I, I didn't introduce David O'Connor. No, I don't think he did. <laughs> okay, second to last, <laughs> second to last and second to least, we have Terry Stiggy. <laughs> nice to have you here, Terry. Hey, and I'm thanks, sorry, 
my list, my list shifted around on me, so my apologies uh, to David O'Connor. Hello, everybody. Konnichiwa, Papa-sans and Mamo-sans, something like that. <laughs> good, to hear you. good to have you here. We'll be hearing more from you a little bit later, right? Absolutely. Hope so. <laughs> all right. Uh, it's uh, great to have you all here. And uh, I, I, I do believe we're going to uh, roll into the uh, Game On results segment. Is that correct? Yeah, let's uh, run the um, uh, introduction uh, uh, commercial break, and then we'll uh, go right into uh, our newest episode of Coco Thoughts. All right, we'll see you back here. Hi, this is Eddie Zerbinski from beautiful Quebec City. Vous écoutez Coco Talk. As you're enjoying Coco Talk, we also want to remind you about the Coco Discord server. This is a place where people come to connect, to ask questions, to provide answers, to share information, and to socialize. So when you're done, why don't you head on over to the Coco Discord server and we'll continue the conversation there. The easy to remember link is discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord! Coco123 is the Glenside Color Computer Club community newsletter that's been in publication since 1985. While the Rainbow Magazine may be gone, it doesn't mean you still can't have a cool Coco periodical. Head on over to the Glenside Color Computer website at glensideccc.com and then click on the Documents link to view all the past issues of the Coco123 newsletter. Not only can you read all of the past and present issues, we'd also love to hear some submissions from you. So if you'd like to send an article, a column, something to talk about, maybe even a program listing, send an email to glensideccc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. The Coco World Map is a cool community resource where you can view coconuts from around the world. Head on over to map.cocotalk.live and see where your fellow coconutians happen to be living on the planet Earth. If you would like to submit yourself to be on the Coco Map, send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live and we look forward to seeing you on the Coco Map. Hey guys, it's Stevie Stroh, and if you've been watching Coco Talk for a while, hopefully you understand that everyone is welcome to join this show. You don't need an impressive resume to get on. You just need to enjoy the Coco and be willing to talk about it. There is no wrong way to Coco. There is no wrong way to be a fan of the Coco. There's no wrong way to be on Coco Talk. You just have to want to talk Coco. So if you would like to join us, then reach out to us on our Discord server, which is discord.cocotalk.live, or send an email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live, and let's get you on the show, and let's talk about the Coco. Hi, I'm Tim, and you're watching Coco Talk Live. And I'm playing Daggereth online like that idiot from the book. Right, can you can you dial back on the condescension there as you respond there? And now, <laughs> Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I was looking through my SDC late one night when my eyes beheld a puzzling sight. I pressed the explorer keys and let them rise and suddenly 
to my surprise, I played the mate. I played the Marvel <laughs> mate. The Marvel mate. It rolled various ways. I played the mate. The acid I did great. I played the mate. I played the marble maze from the top of the structure in the east. Around the corner where the marble eaters feast. The electric snakes from their square abodes gave me a jolt from their electrodes. I played the maze. I played the marble maze. The marble maze. It rolled in various ways. I played the maze. The acid I did graze. I played the maze. I played the marble maze. Out of the outback, Marionette's voice did ring. Seems he was troubled by just one thing. He opened the Vegemite and shook his fist and said, Quacky, look at the size of that croc! <laughs> it's now the marble maze. The marble maze. It rolls in various ways. It's now the maze. The acid pool can be grazed. It's now the maze. It's now the marble maze. Bahu. <laughs> wow. <laughs> High score challenge with Nick Marona. All right, and welcome to this week's results. We played Marble Maze with 24 score submitted. Coco Man with 10. Mikey, 8,190. Ben Drake's 10,290. <laughs> That's why we have Joshua Coco Man. Baker, 10,470. Mark Bosley, 12,190. R. Allen Murphy, 16,440. Chet Simpson, 16,480. Ken Reichert, 16,600. Adam Tandy Dragon Guy, 16,690. Canadian Retro Things, 17,080. 8 Bits in the Basement, 22,960. Louie, 23,120. Jim Rye, 23,740. Me, 23,980. Mr. Dave, 6309, 24,180. Catlord, 33,180. Buck Owens, 33,270. L. Curtis Boyle, 33,460. David Craker, 33,990. Tom C, 35,370. Tasman, 36,320. Sloopy, 56,160. Frodo, 57,440. And the number one score this week belongs to our very own Sir David Ladd with 108,750. Way to go. Thank you to all the participants who submitted scores this week. That's right, David Ladd. Oh, yes. He, uh, he, <laughs> he. he he mastered this game this week. He played it a uh, fair bit and uh, was uh, was doing uh, did really well. I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen. even with his broken joystick. <laughs> That's right. Yes, his joystick got uh, uh, was a casualty of the of this week. <laughs> uh, maybe I need to send his joystick parts back to him so I can fix it. Or is that uh, when he right. threw it against the wall? <laughs> Actually, this might be the driver to get him to fix his uh, printer. Yeah, exactly, because when he has his printer, he makes replacement parts. So uh, there's the Rainbow Review. Got a favorable review. 
And uh, unlike the other games, they were able to mention uh, Marble Madness by uh, by name in this one, I believe. They just didn't try to hide it. It was a, it was a conversion. To be uh, honest, a lot of the Rainbow reviewers didn't have a clue. They didn't go to arcades. They were sending it to reviewers that didn't play games normally, so they had no idea. Here's the suspect high score of the week. God. We're going to do like the Russian, uh, like the Olympic judges and throw out the top score and the bottom score. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we'll say Neil Edge has. So the, now uh, we know who John Doe was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I thought the high score was like thirty-seven things? gazillion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so as we as we saw, David Ladd actually uh, got the high score, and he and he actually unlocked the uh, or showed the uh, the secret code that uh, happens when you beat the game. And yeah, are, this was used as a competition because Dave Dyes had it advertised that if you did win the, this game, if you're one of the first people to do it, you got a. Once you set this code in, he would give you a free game of your choice. And I believe the there were there were eight levels in this game. Yes, uh, the arcade only had six, which surprised me. So we actually had a couple more levels than the arcade version did. So take note of this code, send it in, and uh, and uh, enjoy your free game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is uh, this is the uh, video from David Ladd that we'll have running while we uh, while we talk about the game. So, uh, what did you guys think of it? I like falling. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> yes, obviously this is a clone of Marble Madness, uh, and, and like I said, had extra levels at the arcade didn't have. Hey, I wasn't uh, in last place. It was quite a challenge to get that low of a score, actually. It took a little bit of uh, patience and calculation <laughs> to get that low well, of a score. It's good to have to work for for your efforts. Like, you know, it builds yeah. character. Yeah, because, you know, before you know it, you, you had like a, a score of like 40 or 50 before you know it. So oh. getting 10 was really a challenge. <laughs> so it's not easy being lost is what you're saying. No, this, this, was, this was a bit of a, a challenge, but kind of an opposite uh, challenge. But that's your... So you just wait. You just wait till the timer counts down to one, and then wait about another half a second and move the joystick, and you'll get ten. But you make losing look so easy. <laughs> that doesn't that mean you can get even lower? Ten seems to be the minimum score. Zero's not allowed, so it has to yeah. be a, it has to be a positive score. I do have a question. Is this the video? Is the the artifacting craft here? Uh, looks like it. This is in Mame. Uh, Are you talking about like the red blue swap? Yes. Uh, I can't remember. There, the manual does specifically mention okay. certain things are supposed to be a certain color, and I can't remember. Well, well there's there is one. a color check. Uh, so on real hardware, you have to do a reset F1, yeah. which I've done, and uh, yeah, just I believe bring mine up now. Yes, that uh, that that is correct. Uh, I believe looking David's at a real there. hardware now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Huh. You're good. So this, so this is uh, Dave's gameplay video where he got his hundred and eight thousand. Uh, so you can see all you, you can see all uh, eight levels, uh, and then it wraps around. Uh, it starts playing levels over again. Yeah, it has eight mazes, but I, I think like level nine is not like the map for is not the first maze or something. It's like from the third one or something. He was saying. Oh, okay. Right. But yeah, I think it just gets more difficult after that. Yeah, so, it, it, it takes a while to get used to the inertia. I think that's the toughest thing everybody has because your marble just doesn't turn on a dime. <laughs> if you're already moving a direction, you have to like skid and mm -hmm. kind of re rejigger yourself going to a different direction. Yes. 
Now, Dave did say to me, if he had the opportunity to fall a little bit, he would use that because the, the time you spend standing, being stunned after a fall is still faster than trying to overcome the inertia to turn around. Yeah, there's a few shortcuts off ramps where you can actually save some time doing that. There's also, especially on the later levels, there's faster ways to go through. Like sometimes you have alternative ways to get through part of the maze. And if you pick the wrong one, it can literally take you twice as long to get through than if you pick the short one. So that's something you just kind of learn as you go. Uh, then there's in the later levels, like you'll see here when, when Dave gets to him, there's like moving walls and there's like invisible spots you have to run across while they appear. And, and, I also uh, seen like if you fall too like far. Like there's a shortcut you know, he just took. Yeah, if you fall too far, your marble will crack. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know that one. The GDC post-mortem for the original Marble Madness is up on YouTube, and it is incredibly interesting to see what they went through to put together the original levels for the arcade game. I think that the Coco actually had it far easier because they were developing this game during the video game crash. And so Atari kept pulling the rug out from under the developers with what kind of hardware they might have and having them rewrite what the, uh, the design for the game was over and over again. So if you get a chance, check out that GDC postmortem for, the, uh, for this game. It's really interesting. Yes, that's in the, uh, uh, that was posted in the Game On Results channel in our Discord server. Uh, Frodo confirms that after level eight, it starts again from level three. And uh, if your ball falls more than two levels, that's when it cracks. Yeah. And since the game is very much based on time, you have a timer, first of all, but whatever time you have left over and you complete a level gets added to the time you have to complete the next level. So any shortcuts you can take by, you know, jumping, you know, or, you know, figuring out alternative ways to get through the maze a bit faster than others, you'll definitely will help you increase the time you have on the next level and give you a lot better chance to get you know, completed levels. Because if you take the long ways where you don't know the shortcuts, etc., on the later levels, especially where you start with less time to begin with, then you'll you'll never make it to the end even before the timer runs out. And if you're lucky, you get the magic wand that gives you a spare 10 seconds. That's I think maybe that's totally random. It, it is totally random, yeah. I'm kind of glad this video doesn't have the audio because of all the stuff he was screaming and shouting about those orange slimes. <laughs> there's, there's also a lot of, really... I'm like Dave, are you playing Predator? Was there were there some colorful metaphors? Uh, yes, All definitely right. artifact <laughs> metaphors. Are those what got the copyright strikes? Yeah, that could be. Could have been. <laughs> That's a good point. Proto mentions in the chat he did play it again after, and he did pass level eight. He made it up to level ten, uh, but he scored less. So he said it wouldn't have made no difference in the standings. That's two people have wrapped the the secret message. Yeah, we had a, we had quite a battle there between Tasman, Frodo, and Dave Lab this week. It was pretty uh, pretty interesting. And of course, for those that don't know, um, if you play this on a Coco Three, and this was actually mentioned by Steve Bjork when the Coco Three was first announced, he said Marble Madness on the original stock six eight one nine was just a little too slow. So he mentioned using the double speed poke, which if you have a Coco Three, you can do that and uh, speed up the game a fair bit. And then of course, there's the six three nine version I optimized too, which you can use. On a Coco one or two, if you have a six or nine, and gives you pretty close to the same speed. And if you want to really go nuts, ludicrous speed, I believe Buck Owens called it. You can do both. You can run the six or nine at double speed, and holy cow, is the game fast! 
and yeah, we had a couple new players this week. We had uh, a Louis, who is another as the son of Eight Bits in the Basement. So we have three father-son teams now, which is pretty cool. And uh, Chet Simpson also posted uh, a, a score, which was uh, which was good to see. So yeah, we yeah. had a great great turnout again. I was, yeah, I was, and I had a little bit of history but, here. Um, Dave Dyes, who did this with Diecom, uh, he'd done several games for other companies earlier. Uh, starting about 84, he did Pump Man, and he did a sort of a 1942 clone and a few other things for other, other software companies. And this one and one other game were the very first games he released under his own label, Dicom Products. This is when he went independent, so this is kind of a historical one for Dave Dyes as well. Yeah, it's a really good conversion. I don't know if the six mazes that are here are the exact same as the arcade or not, but they... Because I never made it very far in the arcade version either. Now, some of the obstacles are missing. So okay. there's little funnels and things like that that appear in the arcade that I don't see in this. Oh, okay. This is the eighth and final um, unique level. Maze. 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 Amazing. Amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> awesome. So it looks, it looks to me like David's playing just on regular speed here, is he? Yeah, he didn't care for the high speed. He he preferred the regular speed because it gave him more time to think, and he just liked the like the speed better. Yeah, Frodo's saying the same thing too. I did not use a double speed poke. I preferred the original speed. <laughs> so the double speed poke literally speeds up the whole game, not just the frame rate. Yeah. Yeah, the timer goes down faster too, so it's uh, mm -hmm. it's a yeah, okay. it's a fair it's a fair poke to use, but. It's whether yeah. you like it or not. I know. I just know yeah. back in the day, a lot of people thought the game was too sluggish and, and didn't like it for that reason. A lot of people did use the double speed poke just because it made it more like arcade, more smooth. But yeah, like you said, it does it does balance out because it's not you know, locked to V-Sync or anything. So it does, you know, your timer runs faster too. So you're not gaining an advantage. It's just if you're used to a faster, smoother game, it definitely would help you in that case. Oh, I should have okay. clued in that this was the last screen because I saw David play this and it actually says right there, end. So I just tell you right. Huh. This is the end. My only friend, the end. <laughs> is that what you were thinking? Right. <laughs> yeah, Frodo mentions at double speed your action speed counts double, so it's a lot harder to complete. I, I remember when I was younger, like back in when the Coco three came out, I did find it easier on double speed myself, but my reaction time's gone way down since then, so I probably would side with that now. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. Start getting more coffee there, Curtis. You might be getting a little jittery. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Oh, this is where the uh, congratulations. Oh, okay. I looked near. I, I looked near the end of the video, and it wasn't there. So it actually shows it to you as soon as you clear level eight. That's a marvelous result. Marvelous. Press C to continue. Pers <laughs> okay, so that's where the I, I was wondering where the, the that screen was. But does it get harder? Like, does it run faster? What does it do on when you repeat the levels, or do you just repeat them straight? That I don't know. Frodo can tell us. He's in chat. Frodo, did you hear that question? Does it uh, when it repeats levels, are they harder at all? I thought that's what David said uh, when he was on Discord playing, but uh... yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, that seemed to be the explanation from David. It's a shame he wasn't able to uh, make the show today. But. Yeah. 
seems to be moving a little faster here. Mm. It does. Mm -hmm. So I guess they throttled the speed a little bit in the earlier levels so that it could get faster as it went. Okay, Frodo says you have less time mostly, which I, th I think is true because you're only getting 35 <laughs> seconds to start the level mm. as a base time. Now, as far as playing it on different types of joysticks, I definitely found the self-centering deluxe was a lot easier than the free float Black Beauty or even the free float deluxe. What was everybody else's opinion on that? I only tried the Black Beauty and I really liked it, so I didn't really try anything else. I didn't even try the digital. I, I'm there's some there was some debate as to whether it actually takes into account the analog when it comes to the top speed of the marble. I kind of thought it did. Like whether I, I don't uh, think it does. I think it's just directional because as you if you shift directions, if you hard crank it, it still slowly changes direction because of the inertia. It's kind of like Stella Lifeline we did last week. But if you only move it a little bit off center, will it only roll slowly or will it still get to get up to its full speed? That's that's what I'm wondering. Um I thought and it I went to full speed, but maybe I'm remembering wrong. That could be entirely possible. Yeah. Frodo says he doesn't have original hardware because he's, he's running on the mister, so he said he used his fight stick. Ah, the fight stick, yes. <laughs> the flight not, stick, is, I'm assuming. Not the boom stick. Nope, analog is pretty digital in this game, is what Frodo says. So. Analog is pretty digital. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, for me, just having the ability to center back so you can actually, you know, quit going diagonally and kind of get your direction oh, back to normal. Not a flight stick, a fight stick. I was, I was, I was, uh, I was corrected, so I'm not sure what a fight stick is. That's interesting. You get, you're going like to fight about it? I don't no, know. I don't want to fight. He may hit me. You can't talk about it. You gotta work, work, work. <laughs> That's the first rule, yeah. Yeah, don't talk yeah. about fight Florida, stick. Don't talk about yeah. it. <laughs> so if you wrap it a second time, do you get a second secret match? Do you get a second free game? I don't know that either. Uh, ah. there's, there's your next challenge. <laughs> get to level sixteen or seventeen. And you go ahead and uh, you go ahead and try to redeem that. That's right. <laughs> well, actually, it's pretty easy to redeem now because Dave Dies is one of the people that has released all of his stuff to the public. So I was not aware of that. Yeah, he sent me, if you go to my page, uh, the games page there, that I have a link off the main page, which is emails from original authors that have legally released their software, and Dave Dies is one, one of 30 or something. Very cool. I know this is a bit of an issue of contention sometimes in, in, the, in the Discord, especially about giving direct links to games, uh, mainly because you know, some authors have not released where we can't get a hold of them or whatever other companies. Um, but there is a list of about 150 games that have been legally released as as not PD per se, but uh, you know the authors have said you go ahead and download it and play it as much as you want because he's not selling that anymore. And the Dave Dies catalog, including stuff he's done for other companies besides Dicom, does fall under that umbrella. That's on the uh, that's on your game site. Yeah, there's a link to emails like we got Dave Shadoff and uh, you know Bob Withers and Dave Dies and uh, Chris Latham, the guy who did Donkey King and Sailor Man. That's another one. So there's quite Aww. a few, and some of the top end top end titles too. So. I'll go ahead and plug lcurtisboyle.com. It's a really good site for uh, game yeah, information. What is, what is the site? com slash... Something about Nitrous 9, I think. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> skip past the Nitrous 9 part and get to the good game stuff. And yeah. it's like, uh, I also want to thank Canadian Retro Things, who did a, uh, a video this week again for the, with the Canadian with the uh, Coco Talk uh, Game of the Week. 
Uh, so thank you, Canadian Retro Things, for, uh, for mentioning us on your show as well. How was this game uh, originally released? Was it on cassette, disc, Both. cartridge? Cassette and disc. 64K required. You can only enter your name on the disc version, apparently. But I don't think I don't know if, I don't think it saved them. Did it? Did it save them to disc? Yeah. Or between, so when you restarted the game, your high score list was still intact. At least the version I was playing it does. Yep, mm, the disc version didn't. did. I don't think they accepted. Mm. Okay. So when you get to the end of the game and it says Dave dies, was that confusing at all? <laughs> <laughs> Dave's not here, man. <laughs> I do remember Dave mentioned he used to get a lot of jokes about his name when I talked to him at Rainbow Fest. Well, it's right there in the in the code that you turn in for the free game. Dave dies. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm sure Maybe he's just assuming funnier. everybody's playing his game. His name Dave. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it gets funnier every time he hears it too. Right? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sarcasm. And I can't remember if uh, his like his sister Lori used to do a lot of the artwork for the cover because it was you know the you know baggy zip baggy with a little piece of paper type thing, and she used to do a lot of the cover artwork. I, some of them, the early ones, I think Dave did himself. So I can't remember if Marble Mad Hermes was one of the ones that she did or one he did. Might have their initials on the cover. I can't remember. He's not too far from where Nick is actually, or was. I don't know if he's still there. Which Nick me? Well, yeah, he definitely wasn't in Australia. Uh, maybe he went to Australia and just had enough, of our, had enough of our crap over here and went to Australia. I don't know. <laughs> Come and deal with our crap instead. <laughs> Was he in Canada? Yep, Ontario. Wow. Milton, if I remember. All right, so... Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, thanks. Uh, and I'll introduce the game of the week. But thanks a lot for the to Canadian Retro Things and David Ladd for your video contributions this week. And thanks to everybody who played. And uh, you guys ready to hear about next week's game? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. So I, I went oh, yeah. back. I went back into the list of the request list, and uh, next week's game was requested by Just Mike and Terry Stiggy. Uh, so you guys recognize this. Shock Trooper, I believe. Yes. That's right. I am, I am shocked. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. Shock Trooper. And we'll mention this up front here. Rob Shaw is another one who's given us a release in this one. So if you want to provide a direct link to, to get this game, go ahead. Actually, in this case, we will need to because uh, there's, there's going to be a note in the uh, Game On channel, channel that you guys need to read before you play this game. Um but yeah, you're going to need to, uh, uh, there's a special note you'll see, uh, because, um, you'll see why. Um, anyway, this is all Curtis Boyle's, uh, site, uh, uh, summary of it. Uh, so basically, uh, you run around and shooting and you save, save some, uh, save some other, uh, other people that you'll see. I haven't played it a whole lot. I played it enough to get a, a hang of it, um, like, like I said, I wanted to I wanted to go back to the request list and, and uh, discover some new games myself. And I think I played this a little bit back in the day, but not very much. So, And a really cool uh, multi-voice music theme song, which is actually based on the old VTV show, if you guys remember that, too. Oh. Is that By the way, read the last line of my description on my page, too. No cheating. Yeah, the, uh, it doesn't show up quite as well here, but every V is red mm. in this... In this uh, Summary. Probably play the music here. So, this is I, a hint of the cracked artifacting. 
bees are supposed to be red. <laughs> well, they're very. It's very intentional. Like when you look at it on a real cocoa, it's very intentional that the other text is blue and the V's are red. So. And in the TV show, they spray painted the V red. Yeah. So that's why. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. The logo on the main screen is the visitors' logo them for their on their own spaceships and uniforms. Yep. All right, so that'll be our game of the week. Thank you to uh, Terry and just Mike for your suggestion. And I do take suggestions. Just uh, private message me, and uh, and I you keep a list them. and uh, trying to work my way through those as well as uh, the other games that uh, I have in my mind. So thanks again to everybody who took part, and uh, we will see you next week. Make bribes. I mean, checks payable too. Well, that's my priority queue. <laughs> I have two queues. Uh, so uh, yes, if you hey, want, so there's some special instructions that you're going to post in Discord. You're yes. not going to mention on here. Yeah. Okay. Just around the game. Just uh, it's, it's kind of important. Uh, I'm kind of curious what this is now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you you leave us with that. Is that is that? Uh... All right. Well, with that, we'll move on. <laughs> Music is back. The Mini Maestro available now. Only from Retro Innovations. Go the number four retro.com. Tired of your color computer art input device being low res? Joey has you covered again. Switch between three joysticks or mice. Select the left or right port on your Coco. No more swapping joystick ports. Switch between standard and high resolution mode. Supports the Tandy and the Max high resolution mode. Pre-order yours today at cocoman.biz. There we go. Let me stop sharing so you can share. There we go. I guess there's supposed to be a voiceover on that intro screen, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, crap. I'm not going to figure which one I'm pointing at here. I guess. Maybe this is the right one. Hey, do you guys see a link with Bill Pierce on the top? No, we see if... Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. So for people that play guitar, uh, it was a sad news this week. We found out that Eddie Van Halen passed away from cancer, which he apparently been fighting for a couple of years. So we haven't heard from him. So there was a few tributes from him, uh, or for him, from a bunch of us. I remember David O'Connor, you mentioned some I did, uh, multiple others too. Bill Pierce is actually a, was a musician, or is a musician, and actually he's done recordings and he's you know toured and the whole bit there. He actually had sequenced um, songs on MIDI, which actually ties into the MIDI ad we just saw. Uh, that he actually had his MIDI synthesizer running from his Coco back, his Coco Two even back in the day, which he had running all the you know the drum track stuff, and then he played guitar over top. So he actually did a recording uh, 
that he did back in 85, 86 uh, of, of programming MIDI for Jump here, which he mentioned here on Facebook. And I'll just quickly go over to this MP3. I won't play too much because I don't want to get a copyright ding, but uh, this is a Coco 2 playing MIDI and then I think some live guitar he did on it. I'll just play a little bit from the beginning and a little bit in the middle. <laughs> you are correct, sir. So the synthesizer, the drums, the bass, is all from the Coco 2. I mean, like I said, I didn't want to get a copyright ding, but it's, it's, it's a good showing what the Coco 2 with MIDI can do. So those people that are buying MIDI cards, you don't need to have a Coco 3, which as a lot of us have discussed lately, are getting super expensive to get on eBay. I mean, they're going for hundreds of dollars. I've seen one that was mentioned last week, one new inbox, I will give it that, I never opened, still sealed in the plastic. The offering price was $900. Far out. So <laughs> I'm, I mean, if you have a you know a box sealed Coco 3, apparently you're, you're rich now. <laughs> Where can I get some boxes from? <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I wanted to show that, aside from the MIDI side of things, is that this, uh, in the comment section from that, was brought up the game Martian Crypt, which is a graphical adventure game which has a bunch of little musical interludes. And one of the things he used, and I'll just show this little clip from here, uh, that I'd totally forgotten about, actually uses the same song. So uh, we'll do that. Hopefully it's on the right volume setting here. So it's in the middle of the game. Did you guys hear that, or is it too quiet? No, nope. it's good. Can you hear it? Yeah, hear it. So you type help and it plays the theme of jump. So unless you know your pop music, you wouldn't have known to type the word jump here. I thought it was a really <laughs> cool way to give help. <laughs> that, that's multimedia back before that was a term, you know, type thing. So that was cool. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, of course, we just had the ad for this too. And we also have the person that created it here. So I will let Jason kind of explain things in more detail. Um, plus he's got the price here, pre-discounted price, $55 plus shipping. Um, Jason, do you want to mention, like, you know, uh, when you're planning on actually doing the shipping? Like, how, how quick are we to getting to that point? And any details you want to mention that weren't in the ad? Right. Uh, right now, uh, I'm planning to start shipping by the end of the month. So just letting anyone who wants to get in and get into that list for pre-orders. And uh, you know, so I'd say by the end of the month, I should be uh, shipping. If not before then, it may happen before then, but I'm going to give myself plenty of a plenty of a uh, cushion just in case but uh okay everything no, you here also mentioned on this ad here that this is the pre-sale discounted price fifty dollars right. for shipping so first of all how long does this price last and then two what is the regular price uh this is going to last through the pre-order period which i am ex i am uh, expecting to be done at the end of the month and then then it will then it will go up uh it's five dollars um and when you go to my website at cocoman.biz, you can see that uh, that I actually it's quite I actually have it set up it has a slash through the sixty and then it says fifty five for the pre orders. But okay, cool. And, and just for people who don't know, Max mode that they were talking about is for Coco Max because it has its own separate hardware card, right? R right. That's uh, that's the Coco Max slash colorware mode, and I just had to come up with a name for it. I'm just going to call it Max mode, and that that is an option. There has been some chatter I've seen on Facebook about this issue. Uh, before and some folks, well, I don't need that or I don't want that. So there is an option if you don't want the colorware slash max mode 
you can just get the Tandy mode only. That that is an option. That's a drop down on the uh, on the order order form. Okay, same price though. Uh, it's a do- it's a dollar less if you don't want the uh, if you don't want the color wear uh, max mode. Okay. David, you had a question. I don't, know why, I don't know why anybody would opt not to have it. That seems a bit strange, especially if you can just turn it off. Right, that's what I thought too. But uh, there was some chatter, and it's 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 just a it's a very little hardware to implement it. So I I just it was just to, you know if you don't want it, it's an option to to get rid of it. But I guess there had been some talk. I think especially on the Coco Facebook group that uh, that some of those programs had been fixed or had been changed or somehow that to use the Tandy and this wasn't necessary, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, but I decided I'll, I'll have I'll, I'll make it I'll make it. Part of the, you know, make it an option to get rid of it if, if you really don't want it. But if you really it, want to it, save that extra buck, yeah, it's a dollar. <laughs> I figure it's like it, it doesn't cost that much to put in there, so it's like yeah, a dollar. It's just it's just a matter of uh, that way. It's easier to uh, to tell which is which. And uh, yeah, if you don't want it, you don't have to have it. And I think that uh, that puts that whole argument to rest because I had seen this particular topic on face on the Coco Facebook group, and there was always the chatter. Well, that's already been fixed. You don't need that anymore, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I look at it from the point of view that there's going to be folks that have different, different versions of that game or, or program rather, and want to use their old version, whether it be on a floppy or whatever. And and that's fine. And I, it, so that way it'll work either way. And like I said, if you don't want the extra switch, I'll knock off a dollar and it's all on the on I'm the trying floor. to remember. I think there was two programs that used that. There was Cocomax 3 itself, of course. And then I think uh, Max 10 used it as well, didn't it? I believe so, yes. Which uh, a colorware did market as a bundle for a while. It was a high, you know, high-end graphics editor plus a high-end typesetting style thing uh, for editing text documents with tons of fonts and graphics you could merge in, and basically they sold it as a bundle. That a lot, of my old, a lot of my old catalogs were made on that particular set of software. Yeah, it was, hmm. it was a pretty good package. I think they sold it for what was it, seventy-nine bucks or fifty-nine bucks as a package or something, including the hardware. Bit. Pretty pretty good desktop publishing too. I mean, for yeah. Coco, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I remember Brother Jeremy was trying to get a bunch of us uh, Nitrous Nine people to try to port the whole thing over because he actually got the source code from I think it was Dave Stamp that did it. But I don't think I, Alan DeCock was the last one I know that was starting to work on, and then he kind of got busy with life, <laughs> like a lot of us did. Now, what, wasn't this like old Mac-ish code from before they went sixty-eight hundred? And it got kicked around and turned into Max 10, and it was very specific to. There was some story in there. I'm not quite remembering. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. I know. I mean, the original Mac prototype was a six and nine with Jeff Raskin, but that was way before Macintosh OS was created. It was actually completely different at that point. But could be. The whole reason this project uh, came about was just because I had a lot of requests for it after the original Joey controller switch. So I had to, I learned how to make PC boards and this is what I came up with. Yeah, it's a nice all-in-one solution, especially, you know, not having to switch ports. That's always a pain in the, but if you watch anybody doing YouTube videos of a stream of Coco games where you keep changing, hi Aaron in the chat, um, yeah. then you're, you're worried about <laughs> constantly switching ports and, you know, oh, it's not this one. And then. You know, and but then you're trying to figure out what joystick button to start the game, and sometimes it'll pick up either of them. So you click it, and it starts the game, but it actually wants the other joystick, and it's just a pain in the ass. And this I, is a I, nice solution. I did see John on one of the the streams there. He was doing some Coco games, and uh, he says, eh, "He's I think I think a, a Joey controller switch is on his uh, Christmas list." <laughs> I believe is what he said. I mean, he he would love that as a Christmas gift. He said. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And speaking of some sound stuff now, uh, this story here is from Sheldon McDonald. He's got a video up here, which I'll play in just a second, <clears throat> showing some music plating and selectable tunes if they're preloaded. So you do a poke to this address that his program uses, and it'll tell it which, which song to play, and you can switch it on the fly type thing. And this is for the, uh, this particular one here is for the PSG from Zipster Zone, which is the, the playing, it's got sound chip, I think it's even got joystick ports and stuff. I don't have one, so I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think that's one that has multiple things that could be used for games, not just the sound. And then he's also mentioned in the uh, the text chatter about it that he's got a version of the software for the GMC, which is John Linville's cartridge with the game, or the sound chip as well. So I'll just play a little bit of that. Of course, you see now it's running in the background, so basic's still up and running, so you can multitask quite easily with it. And I think this basically shows you the power of having a real sound chip where you're not tying up the CPU doing it. Yes, we can do it, especially on the Coco 3 with interrupt timers and everything else, we can get around it somewhat, but you're, you're dedicating a lot of your CPU time. You could be doing graphics and stuff with to keeping that sound going. Nick Morentes, of course, can speak to this, and so can Chet on the panel. So having something like this where you can just, you know, set it up and let the thing run in the background is so much better for making, you know, highlight, you know, highly sophisticated games with sound. Cool. Now, this is an interesting one here from Erico, our low-res wonderkund. Um, so there's been talk lately, Brett, uh, Gordon and Jay Cyril are working on a online multiplayer Coco 3 game using kind of an isometric 3D look and they've done some demo videos that we've seen that where you're wandering through grasslands and trying to find beer which just sounds like a typical summer day for me um, <laughs> what Eric's proposing here is if we can get some sort of you know either through DriveWire or through a dedicated network card that could work in a Coco 1 2 you could do a multiplayer 3D maze game and you, this mock up here is actually on a standard screen to get uh, up to six players at once. And um, it's kind of an Aliens game idea here. And you, you see the highlights of the different names. And of course, he's picking people from the Alien movie. And he purposely spelled uh, Ripley wrong because he doesn't want to get a possible ding on copyright for that either. So, um, But it looks like a really interesting um, concept here. And because it's all really low res, I mean, it wouldn't take that much RAM. You could probably do the graphics like lickety-quick type thing. Even do like some real 3D perspective type stuff with you know, you know, tables or something or crates or something on the ground type thing. So that looks pretty promising too. And he always just surprises me with some of the stuff he's done in low res, like some of the fighting game stuff he's done is, and you know, the port of that Jim Gary game, can't remember the name of the title, where you're pushing boulders into the holes and stuff. Like he does these animations that, you know, just look awesome. And it's, he's, he's somebody that takes the semi-graphics four mode to the absolute limit. So I look forward to see where he goes with this too. And then Ken, who I believe is in the chat on YouTube, um, he's been working on this uh, game that he started 35 years ago on the Coco 2, and he's decided to pick up, and he's, he's not a programmer. He didn't, you know, so like some of us stayed programming and that made it our careers. Um, he's one who, you know, he went off and did completely different things, and he's just kind of gotten back into it with the whole retro community thing. And he's taking a game he started 35 years ago, and he's redoing it and finishing it off so um he got some tips from the last video we did as part one because he's using set reset to draw everything so it's pretty slow so in this case here he actually uh did some uh things with character strings and stuff which is quite a bit faster the game i'll just play a little bit so you can kind of see the game, like. alert status green 
And as I said before, I'm doing this on an oh. emulator, so this is actually the first time I've played this with a keyboard. And I have practiced a couple of rounds, and I've found I actually kind of like playing it with the keyboard, so I think I'm definitely going to have to add keyboard playability in uh, the program. So yeah, I'll just play that little clip there. Now he's got uh, some preamble on the design of the game, etc. He also goes through the listing to explain what he's changed since the previous version of it. Uh, the fact that he's entertaining putting keyboard as an option here means this would be much easier to port to an MC-10 as well after the fact. So uh, this could be a, a dual platform game that way. Um, but yeah, it obviously has been a bit sped up. He's also fancied up with you know some cavern walls and stuff on the outside. He's got multiple aliens coming down. So he's progressed quite a bit since the part one. And for somebody who's not a programmer and just kind of picking up for the first time in 35 years, he's made a heck of a lot of progress, I think. Mm-hmm. Looks good. Oh. So when he gets to his part three, Ken, we'll have to have you on again to kind of talk about it, see how you're doing on it. Okay, next up, um, this this video we have seen before, but it was a couple of years ago this was released. So I wanted to put it here for people that are newer to the community and haven't seen this before. So Ben Drakes, who is sometimes a chat, I don't believe he's in the chat today right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, no, he is. Uh, Explore VR there. He's there. So his handle there, he works for a VR company anyway, based out of uh, England. And they've been making a 3D or not 3D, a, a virtual reality system that not is just the goggles, but is also a treadmill. And you can walk and turn and push and all kinds of things. And he kind of demoed it uh, where he hacked it to work with a special version of, I believe it was MAME or XR, I can't remember which one, to get it to play Cocoa games. So you can actually play Cocoa games using VR. So in this case, he did Phantom Slayer. Now, I've muted the sound because he has a commercial track running in the background. We got in trouble with that last time, but you can see what it's doing here. <clears throat> so he takes... Uh, Phantom Slayer, and he puts in his dragon, because he's, of course, in the UK, so they have that more than, more than the Coco. And Phantom Slayer is a 3D shoot-em-up. And here he is in one of the earlier prototype rigs from a couple years ago. So you've got the, the waist thing that kind of holds you, but the treadmill underneath moves in all directions. You can actually walk, and it detects when you turn, and you can fire, etc. You can back up and run backwards. So it's a, it's a VR game with a Coco, and he actually had a couple game demonstrations he did this way. Uh, well, now the official commercial product is on pre-order. Speaking of pre-orders like Jason, I think it's $995, but it's been fancied up a little bit since. And, of course, it plays modern games, which is what they're going to demo in the ad. And I will play that ad in full. I think it's about two minutes or something. It's not very long, but the, the ad for it is now out. The, the pre-order price is quite a bit cheaper than the other one. There's some optional extras and stuff you can add on, too. But I did want to, for those who have not seen this before, playing VR games on a you know, real Coco or Dragon... Uh, that's what it looks like there. And now I'll show you the new ad in general. And hopefully the volume's okay. Let me know if I have to crank it up or lower.
Wow. Really cool. That is neat. That is freaking awesome. Wow, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Ben, uh, since you are in chat there, we're going to have to get you on maybe next week to kind of go into details because I noticed the designs changed quite a bit from the original prototype you played two years ago. Like, mm. there's much more free-floating, and, of course, the kneeling and stuff's all brand new. So we'd love to have you on to kind of talk about that. And I think we have to take some old Coco games and maybe add in some of those features so that you can detect the kneeling. I don't Maybe we'll use the second joystick button or something like that to detect certain things and... See if we can make a game that actually takes some advantage of that. If you could flap your arms and play buzzard bait, oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> there we are again with buzzard bait, huh? <laughs> I think we're going to have to like get in shape or something. Oh, well, my God, yeah. Stevie, yeah. Stevie mentioned that, too. He said this is the ultimate exercise machine. He might actually get exercise because he'd be playing this like constantly. <laughs> Now, I will read the announcement out loud here that Ben put on the Talk Discord about this, and it's called the Omni One, uh, which you saw in the ad there, too. Um, <clears throat> so he said here, the great thing is you don't even feel like you're exercising. You're too busy having fun to notice. It's $9.95 for just the treadmill, but there will be a bundle that includes a standalone VR headset, no PC required. That's going to be $1,995, so obviously this isn't cheap, but... Uh, there's a way to get your place reserved in the queue and pick up a 40% discount if you invest here this week. And he gives the, the link that they showed there for investvirtuix.com. After that, it'll be 20% off for the remainder of the campaign. So, I mean, that is expensive, but I mean, a tread, a full-blown treadmill can be around that price anyway. And that's much exactly. more boring than this. It yeah. costs as much yeah. as two Cocoa 3s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the $3,000 bundle bundles a Cocoa 3 right fresh out of the box. Yeah. I'd just like to point out that my pre-order doesn't cost nearly that much. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have a switch to VR option, unfortunately, <laughs> on yours. But No, there's just no more room in this box. I have to go to a bigger box, I think. Anyway, th that looks awesome. And the new design looks a lot better, too, because you just wear that vest, which kind of detects, I think, some of your movements. And correct me if I'm wrong on that, Ben. Whereas before you had that kind of ring around that you'd have to lean into and stuff like that. So this looks like it feels a lot more natural to play. Um, so, yeah, Ben, if you're available for next week, we'd love to have you on to kind of go into that in detail. And then also maybe some ways that we can implement some of the fancier features on a Coco game. And maybe we'll have to either patch an existing one or just create a new one that actually can use that. I know he was talking two years ago that they were going to go on tour because these will also be in, in other you know, commercial enterprises to use. Uh, that maybe we can, you know, have some Coco games that we can sneak in and demo. And he was talking about doing a tour through the States here, demoing the, the hardware itself. Of course, with COVID, that's all canceled for the moment. But if that tour ever does happen, I would love to get a chance to go see this in in real life. Yeah, absolutely. The crouching and he, jumping. He needs to come to the next Rainbow Fest. Yeah, bring one of those to Rainbow Fest. That would be awesome. <laughs> mm. 
It's How in Chicago. I mean, I'm sure you can demo it at other places in Chicago as part of it, but just have it there for like one day on the weekend or something would be just fantastic. What Rainbow Fest? It's a Cocoa Fest. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, Cocoa Fest. <laughs> <laughs> so go. pedantic, my goodness. Technically? <laughs> Technically, yeah. Huh. <laughs> oh, you're really going to go there, aren't you? <laughs> it's a common misconception, no. And you lean it. I'll get the AR versus VR argument too. Oh, we, <laughs> sorry, Curtis. We didn't mean to kill your segment. Yeah, thanks for directing. Well, <laughs> and we're off the rails. <laughs> uh, I crushed. think I think it's time for the next item, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, as I mentioned in the pre-show here before we went on air, I didn't have any time this morning to uh, catch up stories from today. I did notice a few flew by, so I'll have to save them for next week. Plus, we wanted the show a little bit shorter this week anyway. Um, so this last one here is from Paul Shoemaker. He's got an updated video of his new isometric dungeon game that he's working on, and he's got some machine code here that actually shows it rendering a scene. So you can kind of see what that looks like. This is like a Coco 1-2 version almost of what um, Brett and, and Jay are doing on the Coco 3, except with a bit more of a 3D-ish look. So that went pretty quick. I mean, it's a render, so basically you can see you know the fancier stuff here, and you can see where doorways and stuff are. Um, like a lot of more modern games have been doing on, you know, from Amiga times on type thing. So actually having this on the Coco 1 and 2 is pretty cool. And of course, we got a Coco 3 network version going as well, you know, from the other developers. So pretty cool. Looks like looks like your browser zoomed up a little bit there, Curtis. It's, you know, but we're not seeing the full screen there. Oh, really? Look, now you got Neil mad. Well, that could be just uh, good old Facebook. <laughs> <Their> stupid <laughs> bug buggy yeah, crap. <laughs> Do you guys, but you guys can kind of see what it's doing. Oh yeah, right? yeah, we're. Oh, I see it fine. I yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can see it. It's just we could, I'm not seeing the whole thing. It's like, oh, hang on, that's my yeah. phone that was zoomed up. No, now it's all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Admit nothing. Down too. Operator Admit, error, I think we call that. Admit nothing. Yep. Yeah. Say, okay, you Sorry, fixed it, Curtis. Thank you. Blame the cat. <laughs> yeah, Neo did it. <laughs> and anyway, that that is it for Game On News this week. Like I said, a few other things. I saw Jim Gary popped up again. There's been some other you know game related stories that came in this morning. Uh, I will put those into next week's rotation. And that's it okay. for the Game On News. Thank you, Curtis. Oh, do you want another version of Jump? <laughs> uh, probably not for copyright. We, I don't yeah, think we, we have want the whole show thing uh, here. Oh, just a short. <laughs> okay. Are, are we going to roll straight into the regular news then? From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with Elkers. I don't know if you, you saw my thing about the uh, the Outback Desert on all the Cocos on, on the TRS-80 group. I don't know if you can cue that up. Um, that's for my... Uh, Maybe we can do that at the end of the segment and go into my acquisitions. Well, we're going to do updates and acquisitions as a separate segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just thought if we could queue that up and get it ready okay. for it, because well, I don't have it ready. Well, as you can see by that beautiful footage, we're in we're in news. Yep. You're up, Curtis. Okay. I was just bringing up my window here because it was kind of buried. Okay, so we've got a couple of uh, follow-up videos from the Septandi thing because uh, some people couldn't get everything crammed into September. 
So in this case, we have AC's 8-bit zone. He was doing the composite and S video modifications to the Coco 1 and 2 and kind of did a preview of that. Um, so he's got the full length. This is over an hour of going through a couple of different designs and, and working with a couple different Cocos. Uh, where he actually gets the S video running. Um, the S video actually does not do artifact colors because it's it's doing a purified signal. So text is super easy to read. You want to run Telewriter or something looks awesome. I won't play the whole video here because obviously it's quite long. Um, but it looks really good. And um, it's probably the best display for doing, you know, the pure PMO3 color type stuff and doing, you know, graphical text that I've seen for Coco 1 and 2. Uh, but he did discover a couple, a couple things that he'd missed. So he actually did a follow-up a video right afterwards, just a little three-minute thing, just, you know, modifying some diagrams and putting in some missing names of capacitors or whatever. You know, this is way above my head. Uh, but basically, it's a little thought video to do a couple of little additions corrections. So if you guys are interested in doing an S video or a decent composite video upgrade for a Koku 2, excellent videos to watch. He goes through, thoroughly explains stuff, explains, you know, why certain decisions are made and how things work and stuff too. So it's also an educational thing. It's not just a how-to. So I, I quite enjoyed the video, even though I'm not a hardware guy and I barely understood anything he was talking about. I have to watch that. Very cool. Now these, I was going to turn into discussion topics, um, maybe very quick, like one or two minute discussion, because of course we're pressed for time today. So the first was uh, Richard Kelly posted an interesting question on the uh, Facebook page for the Coco Group. And he said, what event caused you to move from the Coco to a more modern system? Might be more than one factor is likely. Um, and, you know, there's 85 comments already. And then, you know, some people it's just like, you know, I couldn't use the word process anymore for school or a certain type of game with a graphics card that the Coco just couldn't keep up with. Um, a few of us actually kept using Coco for decades after it was, uh, you know, officially discontinued for Shack. So there's a ton of answers here. I just was wondering on the panel here, like um, very quickly, you know, how fast did you get out of the Coco after it was discontinued or even before that? And what was the reason you did? I went away to university and for some reason didn't bring my cocoa with me. And then I kind of fell away from it. Okay. Anybody else? I had to become a Unix. I had to become a Unix system administrator and therefore I had no time for anything that wasn't Unix and then Linux. And now I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> And we're reliving our reliving our childhoods. Yeah. Anybody else? We're all gonna suffer. <laughs> My cocos got taken away because I was not doing well in school. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> but did you replace it with another computer then, or or not? I had other computers. And they just took your cocoa away. Yeah. That was fun. the fun one. Yeah. Uh, I work with computers. Hmm. Uh, uh, now you work soon, with computers. Right. As soon as Tandy discontinued the Cocos when I left for a couple of years. Yeah, in my case, we, we kept using them. We were using them at work, so we used them right up until 2002, 2003. Uh, they, were driving, they were driving all of our printers for a while, and then they were just driving the line printers afterwards um, as the, the speed requirements and the lasers was getting a little bit too fast for the Coco to keep up with, even with the extra hardware we had on it, so... But I never did really go totally away. I, I always kept using it. I, I was inactive in the community except for the web page and, and the listserv uh, for a while there. But uh, Well, you used it for business, right, Curtis? Yeah. Well, I mean, we for ran our printing time. department off of it for almost two decades. Yeah. Hmm. yeah for me, I, I got into 
Like I never got into the Coco two or three. I was always in a, a Coco one person. But then from the Coco one, um, you know, electronics started to take over, and I got an apprenticeship, and I left school, and then uh, Dad got a two eight six, and uh, started doing stuff on IBM PCs basically, and you know, all the, the work I needed to do was all on Windows. So, uh, but I never got rid of my Coco, and uh, you know, a couple of years ago, dug it out and got it going again, and uh, here I am, part of the community. Yeah. Mr. Uh, James Diffendaffer in the chat mentions that uh, he moved from the Coco because he started developing for the Amiga. And I know there's a few people in the Coco community did that. Dave Stamp was one um, guy who did the video toaster, whose name for some reason is escaping me at the moment, was another. Um, so that, that was a fairly common one, too. Um, Stoss also started, started becoming more prevalent. Yeah. Jim R. mentions my cousin got a C64 in the Tandy and didn't keep up. That's legit, I think, especially the Coco 1 and 2. Um, Nimble says, my junior in high school used MS-DOS. I went to that with a Tandy 1000 EX. My parents gave away my old Coco 2. I'm sure that was a rather common one, too. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the Radio Shack people migrated to the Tandy 1000 at the time. I think Stevie was one of them, as an example. Yeah. You yeah, all working let for me Radio Shack kind of had to. Uh, if you are selling them, you kind of had to <laughs> keep <laughs> up with what you're, what you're selling. selling yeah, so, yeah that's, what I, that's the reason I went to 1000s. Well, and Tandy was sweet. They had the best MS-DOS kind of graphics in the business. So, yes, yeah, the special Tandy mode, right? TGA. Yeah. yeah, basically the IBM PC Junior, but done properly, like with a real keyboard, et cetera. Because the, the graphics and the sound, I think, was basically the same as the Junior, but the Junior just completely flopped because of that stupid infrared keyboard that if somebody walked in front of it between you and the screen, it would quit working. <laughs> like a fly. fly. <laughs> 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 Anyway, that's a pretty interesting discussion. Like, if, if anybody wants to add to it, too, too, like I said, there's been 85 comments on that so far this week in, in like six days. So, if you want to contribute your own story to it, that's on the Facebook Copa group. And then there was another poll here created by Steve Norton in the Coco Facebook group, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, I'm curious what everyone does with their retro computers. I find I spend more time tinkering with the hardware than I do using the old software. So, do you have a retro stash you do to do real work or just play games for nostalgia? And I think quite a few of us here on the panel have actually contributed this too. So there's just the general nostalgias in the lead, 67 votes. Programming is 43 votes. I think that's what I put myself under. Hardware tinkers, 39 votes. So not far behind. And this seems to be a mixture of the hardware and software guys, which is just like the Cocoa was back in its heyday. It was a very mm -hmm. popular hardware platform. Yep. Um, refurbishing, 14 votes. And uh, just games, 10 votes. So a quick rundown through the panel here. What What is everybody else's uh, reason for programming? Programming and hardware, basically, for me. Yeah, hardware tinkering, refurbishing. Okay. Yeah, I'm hardware so, refurbishing. Yeah, I'm so far off into hardware, it's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Morota? Um, most, I'm mostly doing games right now. I dabble a little bit with some basic programming, but I'm hoping to get more into other kind of programming, like Basic 09, or, but I haven't done it yet. Nick Moretti's, I'm guessing programming is yours. I'm trying to learn how it's nine. <laughs> <laughs> Dare to dream. Then trying. <laughs> That's just for the games, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to boot it. <laughs> I mean, Jason, obviously, you're, you're hardware tinkering. Do you do much programming or game playing besides, you know, getting the lowest score every week? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, obviously hardware. Uh, you know, there's that's a lot of some restoration, especially early on when I got back into the Coco, but... Uh, 
Yeah, I'd say mostly hardware, playing the games. What I think the the only piece of program I did recently was that silly little trivia game, and that was fun. But that was fun. Well, without with all the hardware right now, there's not a lot of time for anything else. I'm having a hard time even getting around to the game on challenge. Yeah, and usually your games are really short, so that shouldn't be that hard at all, right? That's yeah, well, this well that that this week this week's challenge, I was I was out of town, so you know usually I would just take care of that while the show was still going, but. Uh, now, I will say on my behalf, I mean, obviously, programming is my main mind when one. I do play some of the games. I participate in the Game on Challenge quite a bit. Um, I don't know if I call myself a hardware tinker, but I'm helping develop software for new hardware. So I don't know if that qualifies or not, like with the Gimme X, for example. So you're the bridge. <laughs> yeah, I get walked on. Exactly. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. Especially by people who think buzzer bait's better than Lance. They're like, geez. Oh, <laughs> oh here we go again. <laughs> oh, the hate Canada. for buzzard bait. I don't hate buzzard bait. I just don't think it quite flies as well. Um, on the, in the chat, we've got a few mentions too. James Jones on Twitch says, I tend to convert basic programs to basic nine to see much faster and clearer they get. So that's a software guy. Nimble says, games dorking around with basic dabbling in a semi-language. So games and programming. Uh, James Diffendaffer, programming. Um, Nimble mentions and printing with a TP10 printer again. That wasn't an option, but uh, cool. <laughs> All right, so a couple of interesting uh, discussion type topics there. If you want to participate, there's obviously the polls still open and the previous uh, comment section for the previous story is still going as well. So, so I'm finally going to have to join Facebook, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, there was some discussion on that, too, because a lot of people, especially the hardcore tech nerds, really hate Facebook for obvious reasons, because they're just a manipulative ad agency, basically. But they do have a purpose for doing groups like this. And it's easy to share files and video. And, you know, it's kind of like Discord that way, but it's much more public and easier to find. So I think it does serve a purpose. You just have to, like, not try to make friends with everybody and you know, ignore all the crap that's on Facebook and just stick to the groups. That interests you and i think then it's at then it's okay it's it's like anything else i mean it, it's it definitely can be abusive and crappy and stupid just like youtube comments for example there's there's some helpful <laughs> browser plugins that can confine and constrain most of the nonsense that facebook will try to inflict so catch up with me later patrick i'll uh if you're actually going to go that route i can give you some uh pointers there yeah it seems to be will be helpful so i will yeah. The easiest way to get rid of the ads on Facebook is using ad blocker. I don't have ads on Facebook or YouTube. Well, I don't know what I don't know right now, so that's yeah. <laughs> but I do know some people just have like a a mental block against using anything like Facebook. Um, I personally, I think that's a bit limiting. It does have some good features for a community like this, like an online club type thing. And I mean, the Coco yeah. uh, community is over well over two thousand members on Facebook, and that beats anything else around, honestly. I mean, Discord, we've got a few hundred, maybe. I'm not sure what the exact total is, but it's well under a 1,000. So you get a much wider range. I mean, even Robert Galt joined finally, so that, that's testimony. <laughs> I'm, there. I'm still recovering from the uh, the former corporate structure where we had a number of channels that had to be monitored, and that pretty much took up my life. And uh, <laughs> I've deleted Slack. <laughs> so <laughs> life is getting better. One anyway. comment I missed previously, Frodo in the Netherlands there, he mentioned the Coco was mostly games for me. The programming he does on his uh, ZX Spectrum, so. But it's cool. He's using the Coco anyway with the Mister, so. 
Next story, Carlos Camacho's here is having a 30% discount for his uh, Coco 164K small square RAM badges, which I think he had a picture of buried in here somewhere. He also sells other ones, obviously, too. So these are the two meg badges in this 2048K variety. He also has one that says 2MB, and there's a standard color per computer 2 one. So if your label's damaged or missing, if you've got a, you know, one from eBay or something that's kind of like bent and yellowed and whatever, you can get replacement ones here. These badges are really good quality, too. I've got a bunch of them here. Yeah, here. The 64K RAM badges here, too. So, yep. for the Coco 1 series. So, hey, 30% discount on these in particular and the Coco 3 2048K badges. Get them while supplies last. So, you can contact them on Facebook to order. Badges? We don't need no stinking badges. Um, okay. Next up, Brian Schubring, who's actually on the panel, <clears throat> posted a video on... Uh, multiple of the coca related groups on facebook uh listing various printer ribbons that he has still sealed might need some rinking they might be dried out by now i'll let uh, brian speak to that he has for sale for various line printers not just handy ones either so brian do you want to just quickly mention like do these need re-inking or are you rinking them before you sell them or are they just you know sealed as is or how does that work is brian still here i don't know I was on mute. I'm here. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So no, it's I. It's just I went dumpster diving, found a bunch of stuff, and I just had, got them. And I was just just for cost analysis, I just put amounts in. I just showed what I have and what they looked like in that. And I'm just getting rid of them. You know, I'm not looking to make any money out of them really, just because I've got them for nothing. You know, cost of shipping. Someone just talked to me. Okay, yeah, I did know a few people have been asking about this the last couple of weeks in the Coco Facebook group because they actually got their old printers back and they want to start using them again. But yeah. do, do the, are the, these these were basically brand new seal just thrown out? Yeah, were, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. Um, Computerland, that a place that closed down by me back in the nineties. I went dumpster diving. Boom! I just yanked them out. So I just okay. I just finally for the in the past fifteen years they've been sitting in a box on the floor in my basement. So now I just went through and just. Everybody see. Now, would these be dried out? You'd still have to re-ink them, do you think? Or are they actually sealed They've well enough? They've been sealed. To... They're still, oh, so they might they're actually most, work. Most just of them are this. in sealed packages. As an eBay guy, these old sealed ribbons are usually just fine. It's amazing yeah. how long they hold on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot, and a lot of them are, you know, the NEC or Tish, uh, Toshiba brand, too. So, you know, they're they're OEM. Just yeah, they're the awesome. good quality you know, right from the original manufacturers. So. Yeah. And there are a few, as noted, a few color ones, too. Now, now, do you just take orders for this on Facebook, or do you have a web page set up for this or anything? Or? Someone just contact me. If someone wants to take the whole lot, someone takes the whole lot. And do you sell individually for those who just want it for whatever printer they happen to have? Um, I'm just getting rid of them. Um, but, yeah, I, if, <laughs> if someone wants to, uh, yes. Yeah, because I mean, if somebody has like a you know a color cannon printer or whatever one that you happen to have a ribbon for, they have no use for the rest of the ribbons anyway. So I just wonder yeah. if you'd do them individually. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're just passing your problem on to somebody else. <laughs> exactly. I'm not shy about saying that. <laughs> we cut out the middleman and pass the problems on to you. Yeah. yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> Uh, next up, uh, we had Pat on the show last week, and he's got his third part of the interview up now with um, John Roach, former CEO of Tandy. 
so this is going into the later history of Tandy with, with John. Um, so he kind of picks up where he left off. Uh, once again, fascinating interview. I'm not going to play it here because you have to listen to the whole thing. It's not even point. It's, it's pointless to play a little snippet. If you watched it last week when we did play snippets of the previous two, it's a very fascinating interview. <laughs> um, he also had posted up that I'd missed this the first time around this went through. But this wasn't one he did, but he mentioned it. This was an interview done with Lewis Kornfeld, who was this uh, high-end person at Tandy, but he also worked at uh, Radio Shack before Tandy bought them out. So he's been at Radio Shack since like 49 or something like that. And he was one of their higher-up VPs. So he goes into the earlier history when they were still running out of the Boston area as a little chain of nine stores. And then when Tandy bought them and then when the Tiracetes came out and just kind of going through the history. So this is pre-John Roach era. Uh, but it does go into the, a bit of the computer history as well. And it's another fascinating interview. Um, I think he's since passed. He was like 90-something when he passed away. But uh, uh, very interesting. If you're into the history of Tandy and also a little bit of the stuff about Intertan and, and you know, international sales. And uh, he's hiring a Bernie Appel who actually was involved somewhat with some of the Cocoa stuff too. Um, he was at some of the uh, Cocoa announcements that you know Rainbow attended, like the Cocoa 3 announcement, et cetera. So very, very interesting interview as well. So if you want to get some Tandy history on there, both of those two videos are awesome. Next up, Walter Zambodis posted that in, in Discord, that he's got a new version of OVCC. This is the uh, new OCC, I guess it's kind of RVCC, uh, that is cross-platform, runs on Linux, runs on Windows, runs on the Mac. Um, so the, it's using an interface that's a little bit different than the one you're used to if you're running the, the Windows version of, of VCC. But this new version 1.40 he's got it for testing actually adds in the Tandy and Cocoa Max Hybrids interface uh, support. Um, I have an older version of VCC, which actually had the options in the menu for it, but it's all grayed out and you can't actually select any of them. So it was a plan feature that just never got finished. And I think they've actually removed it from the menus on later versions of VCC. But uh, this version here, it's actually working. He's been doing some testing with it and he wants some other people to test it. So please you know, go grab it. Um, I've got a link that they can post into the notes of where to get it on his GitHub. And, you know, this is an open source project, so you can actually go grab it yourself, build it yourself, do any modifications yourself as well. So I haven't had a chance to try it myself yet, but uh, go check it out because he's definitely been trying to update it as much as he can. And we're getting some, you know, long missing features. I mean, MAME has supported the high-res interface for years already, so it's nice to see VCC catching up in that aspect. Uh, next up, Ruth, Kim, and Moss. Now, we mentioned her last week. Um, her father passed away, and she's been going through the estate, and he was a c collector of, of computers, including a ton of Radio Shack stuff. So she mentions here, um, this is a, a later post, where she mentions she's found many Cocos and Coco-related things. Uh, in Some are new and unsealed boxes, so you know, going by eBay prices, she'd probably get a grand each for those. Uh, multiple monitors, discs, printers, all kinds of stuff there. And she's still making the final list. Now, she wants to have somebody in the San Francisco Bay Area would be preferable for her to sell this to because they can just come and pick it up and she doesn't have to worry about shipping costs and packing it properly and all that kind of stuff. I know we have some people here even on the panel today that are from that area if they're interested. Mikey. Mikey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did sort of did we make up? But... Did we make, wake up Mike during the news? Rocky, Mikey. <laughs> yeah. I'm awake. <laughs> No way, I'm not. <laughs> so this is a list she did a little a bit later here, a short list of Tandy stuff, and I, I'm not sure on the whether these are Coco 2s or Model 2s. She didn't really specify. 
Uh, but she's got seven of the two, three of the three, two of the four. So I'm not sure what mixture there are the extra drives and monitors. And she hasn't quite finished gone through everything. Um, she does mention that one Coco 2 did not work, but all the others worked when they were turned on and tested. And of course, she's got, you know, as she puts it, a zillion games and software and a zillion floppies of both kinds. <laughs> so it sounds like a pretty good haul. So, Mikey, if, if there's anything in there, or if you know, maybe you can act as a proxy for somebody that's not in the Bay Area and then, you know, making arrangements with people to get it. Um, sounds like there's a fair bit of interesting stuff in there. And then she actually did a little video here kind of going through some of it. I would be very interested in that Model 4 if we can get it over here without it costing me an arm and a leg. <laughs> maybe just a leg. <laughs> okay next up after that Robert Sieg has posted some 256 color composite images he did in his Coco 3 and that's using the uh, the kind of artifacting that sneaks into a composite signal even on the Coco 3 16 color mode so he's made a video showing him of loading and displaying huh. with a handheld camera so he's moving it around while he's trying to type etc but some of the results look pretty good. Hmm. That picture I recognize. I think that was part of one of the MM1 demos, wasn't it, Chet? Um, might have been one of the ones that was done by Mike. Anyway, he's been fiddling with this mode now for a few days, and he's put up some pictures. Some of the actual still photos actually look better because, of course, when you're taking a video with a camera phone, the refresh rates are a little off, so it doesn't look quite as good as it actually does in real life. So he's got some still photos you can take a look at on Facebook as well. Okay, next up, uh, Christian Cremo is selling off his original Coco discs, and most of them including manuals on eBay. Uh, this includes some Tandy, uh, mostly Tandy and a little bit of third party. So, like he's got Paper Route by Dicom, coincidentally enough, the same people that did Marble Maze that we did today. So these are the original discs of some Coco 3 stuff, some Coco 2 stuff. Uh, there's some T&D software there. Um, and the manuals he's got for most of these as well. So he's got some little side pictures here with the manuals. So if you want some original stuff with documentation, that, that's a pretty good sale to get to. And that uh, that's another five days left. So feel free to bid. And that's 13 different discs and I think 12 manuals or 11 or something. I like pretty close to all of them. May not ship to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, Roundel Vo put up an alien disc, which I think is a high color Sockmaster image, isn't it, uh, Ron? Yes, sir. It is. So this is using uh, <clears throat> Sock's technique where he's switching palettes per scan line <clears throat> and then also overlaying several at a time or, or changing the palettes on each refresh on top of that. So it's actually giving you literally thousands of colors kind of simulated here too. So it's done some really incredible results here. So it does take a while to render. <clears throat> it's a pretty intensive algorithm to do it. So uh, Ron has taken the time to actually create the final saved version. It didn't, you don't have to go through the whole conversion process. You can just load it quickly and, and see it. And there's really incredible stuff I've seen using high color. Works good. Yep. Oh, nice. 
Now, here's a bit of history. <clears throat> the International Color Computer Club, which was meant to be international, obviously. Um, <laughs> I did. I, I'm not going to get too much in the backstory of this because it's 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 a pretty bad story. Uh, the person that was representing it in Canada, the second guy, I think it was representing it actually, and that's one of his addresses listed below actually turned out to be a really, really bad person. He was actually a part of a Canada-wide manhunt uh, with law enforcement a few years back. And he's, I don't want to get in the details. It's, um, it involves violence. It involves children. It involves a bunch of bad things. So I don't want to get too much oh, into that. All right. But we're, the thought of the International Color Computer Club and the previous person that was running it actually were good. And it was basically meant to get Cocoa people in contact with each other across countries. And they had an operation in Texas, which was the main branch. And then we had one in, in Canada. So I I was never a member of it. But do you remember they used to have full page ads in Rainbow at times for this? And uh, they had a pretty large group. I think it was probably getting close to half a thousand or a thousand people at one point. So at, uh, I just, can but, you nerds uh, decode the membership number? Yeah, somebody actually did that <laughs> in the comments, if I remember. <clears throat> Either that or there was a lot of cocoa sold. I didn't realize, you know, like billions Anyway, it's an interesting piece of history to actually have one of the certificate of memberships here. And the person that actually owns this is actually, you know, John Jack Gurner himself. So, and he just rejoined Facebook and the Cocoa group there. So another, you know, person from the old days has come back to the Cocoa. And once again, that's one of the biggest purposes of Facebook. It makes it really easy to find this kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, trying to find our Discord server, if you haven't happened to catch the show, is just about impossible. If you know about Discord hmm. to begin with. Look at that address. Pardon me? Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Yeah, that's where I live. <laughs> I, I knew this guy. And, and, you know and at the time, I did not know the crap he was involved with. Oh. I think it's I more know. interesting. All you needed was Carlton Drive. Yeah, they're on Carlton Drive in Saskatoon. Just yeah. go there. <laughs> Saskatoon, was it? Saskatchewan. Easy to draw, hard to spell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saskatchewan's <laughs> real easy to draw. <laughs> And last up, considering uh, eBay sales here, our own Helen Huffman here has got a whole bunch of stuff for sale. And I think he's got uh, six days left on most of it. So he's got the Disney Cocoa One collection here. And then he's got some other random cartridges, which is some Cocoa Three, some Cocoa Two. He's got some hardware, including MC10s, uh, some manuals, um, high-res joystick interface, uh, light power controllers, Cocoa Three games in box with discs, etc. So he's been trying to kind of downsize and get rid of a bunch of duplicates and stuff that he has. He's not getting out of the cocoa or anything, but he's uh, getting rid of stuff that he has multiple copies of. So he's got multiple auctions currently going on. Um, I think somebody had mentioned that he forgot to put international shipping allowed on a few of these for the Canadians and Australians that may want to order some of this stuff. I think some of the later ones, he might have changed that. Like, I mean, you have to check individually. But contact <clears throat> Alan, too, because he may be able to arrange something directly with you. And that oh. is it for the news. Do you know where Alan lives? Iowa, I believe. Oh. Ellington. I think he's in the, the home city of Microware still, isn't he, Chet? Do you know where? Close. Yeah, I think he's still in Des Moines. Maybe West Des Moines. You know, same, same damn thing. I mean, it's a little dot in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, just change it. the corn to wheat and you're up where I am. So Yeah. No, I mean it's a, the whole time, the whole year I was there. I mean, I couldn't get a fresh bowl of corn. It was sad. I mean, I'm surrounded by corn, couldn't get a fresh bowl of it. It really kind of sucked. 
Okay. Thank you very much, Curtis. Uh, Mark, do you want to roll a commercial and come back with uh, updates and acquisitions? Yep. Let's see which one shall we do. Call talk will return after these messages. Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité. Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. And now, Coco Thought by Samuel Gimes. If you're using your color computer in Quebec, and it stops working, is it now a cocoa won't do? Hi, Ron Delvo, Timberman, Cocoa Fest, Cocoa Talk. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, One cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Coco3scartcable.com Hey, have you got your Coco3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on, everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack's store-wide manager's red tag sale is on now. We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio Shack today. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Foppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Cocoa Talk. Okay, and we're back. Welcome back. And uh, since we're starting the show, we have a couple of uh, people that joined us here in uh, Discord. We've got Chet Simpson. How you doing, Chet? I'll assume you're yeah. doing well. There he goes. He yeah, I'm good. Good to see you. And Brian Schubring just joined us uh, since we started, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm here. Welcome. And I also want to acknowledge all the people we have. Well, not all the people, but we have a lot of people in chat. Uh, thanks for being here. we got Mikey and Frodo and Canadian Retro Things and Kevin Holloway. 
and uh, Curtis and me and Brian Joyce and just a whole bunch of people. Thank you for being here and uh, keeping the chat room flowing. And uh, now we're going to do uh, updates and acquisitions. And I know a couple we have queued up and then we can uh, get some more if there's any more. But let's start off with uh, Jason Record. Muted. I'm muted. There we go. There, there we Jason, go. thank you for doing the chat links as well today. Oh, no problem. It, it yes, said thanks. it was Stevie, but it was me. It yes. was me the whole time. I got so my Mark over hoser hat. Oh, there we go. It's part well, of your. I'm working on these, but that that yeah, I'm working on these uh, Joey high res, but that's not what I'm here about. I'm here about. I got I got a priority mail flat rate box with a nice old. Uh, a, a nice old uh, dent here in the bottom. Thank goodness there was a lot of pat padding in here, so it did not affect the contents. But I've got uh, I've acquired six more issues of Rainbow uh, magazine from 1983, and I, and this is actually before I even got into the Cocoa, before we even had a computer. And some of these are pretty beefy. Uh, like you got the, that was uh, that the, was at its biggest when it was like 350 pages. Yeah, it's like these, this oh. one. This is the uh, November 1983, and it is 338 pages. So that's mm -hmm. that's that's pretty darn beefy in the uh, the uh, December issue. And these are these are from the same uh, folks I got these from last time, and they're all in they're all in really really good shape. And uh, but yeah, three hundred yeah these I see these are like 338, and I see we have um, oh we have you know I know I think Terry Stiggy's still on the call. You can see right here in the corner it even says TDP. For your TR City wow. color TDP 100 Dragon 32 on the of the uh, April 1983 edition. This one's not quite as big. It's 242, but it's uh, yeah. got a really cool uh, Spectral Associates ad on the on the but on the back. That there. one also has the uh, nuclear reactor simulator that was partly co-authored by Chris Latham, who did Donkey King and Sailor Man. Oh wow! See, I I yeah, you know, I have this is this is these were all be new to me because I this is before we had it. Uh, uh, oh, and here's uh, here's the uh, it's got the uh, white Coco one on the uh, cover here of uh, September '83 with the melted keyboard, and that's really cool, Jason. Yeah, I and uh, what else we got here? We got August '83. It's the games issue, I guess. Uh, this guy must play a lot of games. He's very muscular. Is <laughs> <laughs> that your typical Coco game player? That's after you um, explore VR's the Omni. Uh, VR. Yeah, what are the results? <laughs> Is that oh, what it is? That looks like something out of Ready Player One is what that thing yeah. was. Either that or it was David Ladd after playing Marble Madness all week. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why he broke the joystick. He was just he was just too, too, strong. too strong. And then finally I have uh, October 83. Very, very colorful. I think this is the, uh, oh, this is the graphics, the graphics special. And uh, yeah, this is, oh, this is another, this one's 322, 322 pages. Is that supposed uh, to be the first? Lonnie? Uh, and there, I don't think I don't know. And there's an ad for Cubics uh, on the that. back. So yeah, this 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 is pretty cool. And um, that was so, the first issue of Rainbow that I got. It's got a really good game in it called Marathon. Yeah, Marathon. John Fraze. Yeah. Oh, yep. it's even got a. It has a a new OS nine column by uh, you know we got previous guest on this show, uh, Dale Puckett. Yep. Yep. The September '83 issue showed with the Coca One breaking through the cover, which is also when they announced Coca Two. Is also when they announced OS nine level one. Oh, that's the uh, focus. That's the focus on education issue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, are you looking to get a complete collection as well as much as you can? As much as I can, I think you know. I, I foolishly got rid of these things like twenty some years ago. So, uh -huh. but, um, 
and I think I have like zero hope of ever getting the uh, the, uh, the the final issues that were the tabloid format. I think those are about as rare as uh, as hen's teeth, as they would say. So, but uh, I'll get. Yeah, what I'm not I can. telling mine. <laughs> yeah, I'll get what I can at a reasonable price. I'm not gonna, you know, th- these are. I got these because it was a reasonable price. Yes. The good thing is that I think they are all scanned on the Color Computer Archive. So if you want to see them and read them, you can. Right, you just don't have right. a physical copy. Absolutely. Oh. Yes, That's all couple, I have. Excellent. Cool. We have a couple of people trying to get uh, full collections of the paper magazines. So mm. good luck. Hope you can uh, can uh, fill you. that in. All right. And, uh, and I also know we have some updates coming from David O'Connor. Yeah. Um, during... Uh, during the last couple of weeks, there was a ad placed on Facebook. No, I think it was on Facebook Marketplace. It might have been placed in the, the Coco group. There was uh, some uh, Coco stuff, basically, in a town called Wyala, which is a few hundred kilometres away from me, which is basically next to the <laughs> next to the desert. So it's uh, it's um, Australian outback. And these computers, the, the ad, <laughs> um, Nick Morantes, I know you saw it. There was a... Uh, <laughs> The ad showed a picture of what was there, and it was literally covered in the in, in Australian outback red dust. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, <it> was, <laughs> yeah, probably some of that too. <laughs> Crikey, so, uh, yeah. But it was it was powdered. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a Coco three, there was a CM eight, there was a Coco one, there was um, two floppy drives, a, a, a um, FD five hundred one and an FD five hundred. It was a CCR81, um, and, uh, yeah, obviously there was some some very, <laughs> in the retro community here, there was a lot of interest, and people were emailing the, the, the seller or, or private messaging the seller, and uh, and I private messaged the seller as well, and nobody was hearing back, and so a couple of people gave up, and I persisted, and I thought, no, nope, I'm not letting this go. And it was originally all listed for $50 Australian for the whole lot, and uh, I thought, yeah, okay, they, I, I can't go past that. Um, then the ad got taken down. Somebody notified the seller that these things were worth more than 50 bucks. So it got put back up again for $150, huh. um, which was still a bargain for what it is. Um, I mean, the CM8 would have been worth 150 bucks alone. I would have paid that for that. With the so, door, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway... Um, I uh, made the purchase, got in touch with the seller, and through persistence, the seller got back to me, and it was still available. So uh, I secured the deal, um, and the and the gear arrived here during the week, uh, this week, um, right here. This is the Coco Three. This is the CM8 that was there. I've cleaned all the dust off, um, cleaned the inside of the CM8 that was just that was literally coated in in this red dust. Um, wow. So I wanted to clean everything off before I turned it on, obviously, for obvious reasons. Well, yeah. Um, and then when I did switch it on, up it fired. Worked perfectly. Um, Coco 3 worked perfectly. It's got a switch, slide switch here and a push-button switch here. The slide switch is a power on and off switch. And there's a little LED indicator there to show that it's on. Uh, that's a reset switch, which we guessed correctly. Um, so yeah, that was, I was delighted when they, when they both came up and worked and the, the, the badge had come off the door. So I've stuck the badge back on and it's got its door. So <laughs> wow, that's, that's a collector's item right there. Yep. David, yeah, your, cam- your camera makes it look like a widescreen CM8. Looks cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did have a, a question. Sort of- did the, 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 the physical Coco three, did it have that dust in it also? Inside uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, they were coated. They were all. This actually had, despite having these mods on it, the warranty sticker was still intact. So I don't know whether the the person who did the mods very carefully removed it and put it back on. I'm suspecting that might have been the case. Probably. Um, same thing with this. This is the. Uh, or was this, this guy a gynecologist? <laughs> no, it was. A, <laughs> it was done this arthroscopically. Is, yeah. This was uh, that was all covered in the dust as well, so I've cleaned that up and I, I powered it oh, up. Looks in good shape. Looks it's pretty. It's in really good yeah. shape. Yeah. At least and it didn't have it. soap powder in it. I've been there, done <laughs> that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I fired that up and I got a weird screen with it with with, with grey and black um, stuff on it, and I thought, oh, okay, maybe VGG, maybe I typed motor on it, didn't do anything. I thought, oh, maybe CPU, and I thought maybe either VDG, CPU, or RAM was was what I was suspecting. Um, so I took it apart and pulled the lid off, and uh, the lid is still off it. So that's uh, that's inside. It's got 64k of RAM. It's got extended color base. Um, so I swapped out the uh, the CPU, uh, put a different CPU in. Still no go. Same thing. Swapped out the VDG. Same thing. Still the weird screen. So I thought, oh well, it must be RAM. So uh, I took the RAM chips out and I put them in different spots because I didn't have any spare RAM chips here. And when I put them in different spots, I got different garble on the screen. So I'm thinking, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's 99% that it's going to be the RAM. So uh, now I need to find somebody who uh, can sell me some 4164 RAM chips. Um, that'll get that going, um, I, I do suspect, because everything else the, works. What's the serial number on that, baby? Uh, what is this question. Cocoa Fest auction? <laughs> it's a pretty big. It's I don't know if you can see there, but the, it's it's. Oh, it's I think it Boston. ends in crikey. It's, it's in Boston. It's five, instead of printed. Five zero one four four six is the serial number. So it's it's a it's a fairly advanced serial number. And we don't know um, if the numbering's restarted with PAL or not for sure. So. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, there's a uh, it, that's the CCR eighty one. And it's got a cassette in it. I don't know what's on the cassette, but there's a, a, a realistic um, super tape there. Wow. Oops, I can get that in the Is that right the line. missing Rick Adams game? It's got Three Dog C9. Night on it. That cassette is the collectible <laughs> on its own. You'd think it would be yeah, yeah. CCR on there. <laughs> yeah. Clearwater Revival. Yeah. <laughs> um, down here, I have that's the FD501. Floppy disk controller, and that's the uh, that's oh, the dual. Cool. Yeah. Very yeah, nice. Dual. Yep. So uh, I haven't powered these up yet. I want to take it apart and do a thorough clean and get rid of all the dust out of it. Obviously, being a floppy disk, it's you know, floppy disk controller. Yeah, Never interesting to see if those are single sided or double sided drives too. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so there's that one. There is uh, this one here. That's the FD500. Uh, FD500 there, and once again, another one with dual drives in it. So uh, hmm, four so drives nice. there bet between the, the two, and these things are heavy. I didn't realize how heavy these 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 you know these drives are. They, yeah, they were. I bet those are single sides. Yeah, no, probably 40 track single sides. My guess. Yeah. The FD500, I, I, I suspect, will definitely be a single side. Um, inside the uh, the drives, there's two discs. Uh, oops, the one disc says disc on it, doesn't it? <laughs> and the other one's been in there a long, long time. You can see the dirt yeah. coating. Oh, disc, look at yeah. that. Disc utility, that one's good. You might want to get a hold of David Ladd. How are you going to clean that? 
Yeah, um, it's definitely. Oh, there's some pirated there. Nick Marenti's oh. games on there. Oh my uh, god, I saw Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, the Tom Mix version of Donut Dilemma. (laughs) I'll bet you they were. Yeah, they probably will. Um, Once they give, once I give them a good cleanup, they probably will. I mean, the only, like I said, the Coco, everything works except the Coco one, which I think is a RAM issue, but it still fires up and I still get stuff on the screen. So So it's like Christmas in Australia, huh? Yeah. And there is this Tandy color uh, Coco mouse. So, uh, Hmm. Not sure if the Coco Max I'm, works. I'm, I haven't plugged it in. I'm, but, um, I'm, I'm sorry you got that. Those are really awful. <laughs> yeah, it probably is, but I got one anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. A spare ball for a pinball machine if you have one of those, too. <laughs> <laughs> so. And, and yeah, yeah, the yeah, ball yeah. in there. So, uh, so yeah, the, 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 uh, the Coco 3 is 128K. It hasn't been expanded yet, so uh, it's, there's room for it. But it cleaned up really, really well. I mean, this thing was filthy when I got it. And it's, the case is actually quite white. As you can see there, it's it's in good nick. And same thing with the CM8, that cleaned up really nicely. So uh, all that Bullshit. for because oh. the dirt blocked the sun. Yeah, horseshit <laughs> is a preservative. <laughs> <laughs> is that why this show's so fresh? No, I've, yeah, I, I, I saved it all. I've 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 swept it off and put it in a jar. So if I ever want to sell any of these, I can sell them. <laughs> the dirt, put back on and make more money on it because it's genuine, authentic outback, you know, Australian dirt. <laughs> what's, what's the gimme in it I've heard a rumor um, that you make Vegemite by mixing that dirt with sludge is that correct <laughs> <laughs> you probably could <laughs> so yeah all of that for 150 bucks so I'm absolutely delighted Sweet. Um, what yeah, memory chips are you looking for you have to run I'm looking for, for. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm looking for 4164s for the Coco 1 so, cause it's, it's got I've got 4 yeah okay you need eight, though, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yep. I might have some, too. I'll have to dig around. I'll let you know. Yeah, well, the can't all be bad. So if you got yeah, four. I'm, I'm happy to, you know, whatever costs are involved there, pay for the chips and the shipping or whatever. I'm happy to do that. So, uh, yeah. Will they come um, this year yet? <laughs> yeah. I'll follow out a magazine, put it inside, and ship it media mail. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, lastly, um, I've been going on about this for weeks now. <laughs> This is the uh, my Coco 3 in a Model 4 case. Um, I've been running a competition for it, um, as as everybody knows. Um, and I, I, there's going to be there's going to be two prizes or three prizes actually. There's going to be a prize from the panel's vote, but I haven't put together the list yet, so I'll have to do that for next week. Um, but my personal vote, um, there was two uh, listings on the on in the Facebook group. Um, two people respond well, a lot of people responded, but two people responded that I really liked their posts. One was Chad Edward. Um, he came up with um, Coco Davo. And I thought, yeah, okay. But I liked the D at the start of it. I thought, Coco D. I thought, yeah. That, that, so, so Chad inspired me with the with the Coco D thing. And then Ron, you put up their Coco DX, uh, mm-hmm. which I really like as well. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day I was looking for something that said Coco 4 Model 4, Coco 3, so D is the fourth letter of the alphabet. Coco D is really easy to say. So basically I've decided on Coco D. And because two people inspired that name, I'm going to give away two prizes, um, you know, whichever album um, people want from my collection. Um, so Ron Delvo, you get one, and Chad Edward cool. gets the other one. So, uh, Already got the Pulse so, one. Yeah, 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 Pulse Eternal. So, yeah, any any of the Pulse Eternal albums that you, you um that you haven't got already, um, yeah, I'll give you some codes and you awesome. can download them and have a listen. So, Thank you. Have you considered giving that? 
Have you considered giving a, a prize away to the any of the rejected entries, like someone could get that awful Coco Mouse? <laughs> I think I, I think I want to keep it because it's so awful. <laughs> no, that's um, that's pretty much my updates, and uh, yeah. So uh, congratulations, Ron and Chad Edward. Thank you, sir. Yeah, congratulations, guys. Thank you very much, David. Do we have uh, any other acquisitions or updates from our panel? Dave six and nine had some, didn't you? Oh, yeah, Dave, I got Dave. Some quick. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Dave. All right. So I did a little shopping, and I was able to find not too far from Montreal someone selling some cocoa stuff. If I could share. Uh, am I sharing? Oh, yes, I am. Hang on, sharing I find is the sharing. Right, got to find the right button here. Mm. Push the All button, right. Frank. Go ahead. Okay, here we go. One tick long. It is. So one part of the package was a Coco One with its box and a monitor still in the box, styrofoam, and has a little door. Oh. Wow, two CMates with doors in one show. That's got to be a record. <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, I'll find the other one. And I was able to get, um, where is it? Coco 3. Can't go wrong with that. Very nice. And it said CCR82 there, too. Yeah, it was advertised as a 128, but uh, it, it's got 512K. So that oh, was a nice, nice bonus. Ooh. Now, here's a funny thing. When I... Should I get the right picture? This Coco One has been modded. Hmm. Sorry, this well, is before the cleanup. Yeah. Hmm. So, there was no mention of what was done. Just some dip switches and a mysterious window. Did you figure out what it does? Yeah. First dip switch... Gives me inverse video. Cool. Oh, cool. And the other dip switch affects the lowercase, whether <laughs> you'll you'll have lowercase or not. Oh, so that's got a T two T one chip in it. In... No. Nope. Or or a lowercase uh, ROM kit. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, the lowercase doesn't work. It it just gives the inverted. I don't know if they knew what they were doing. Okay. Right. Right. And the other six switches are just not defined, or? Okay. Uh, this one won't show it. And it also had a modded basic in it. And uh, I, I thought it was interesting that the amount of free memory was different. Oh, look at that window. So here's the window. It's a real-time clock. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Far out it is too. <laughs> Hardware RTC, man. You weren't joking. <laughs> was was it set to the right time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yet arrived, no. Okay. Mm. 
I have a Neat. picture of the inside of it. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So, I don't know if I have it inside of the case. Um, well, there were some mods here. You can see the wire on the right is hooked up to the inverse video. The other one goes to one of the bits of the uh, video register. I guess he's got a 28-pin EEPROM on a 24-pin socket. That solves that mystery. What's it say on the ROM? On the ROM? Oh, it's X Basic something or other. Yes, probably just a burn of Extend Basic. Now here's a funny one. It's um, an old um, plotter printer that uses four color pens. CGP one fifteen. Yeah, it's a funny machine to watch uh, work, but I, I don't have any active pens. I'm gonna have to either make some pens or uh, or buy some pens, I guess. They, those were notorious for breaking the little drive gears. Okay. Well, this one seems to work. I just need to to work on the uh, pens. Mm -hmm. uh, what else? Here was another little score from the same area. This was all east of uh, Montreal. Someone had a oh, pretty you clean got that. ten. I saw yep. that with the case. Yep. Yeah, that, yeah, I was up there for a little while. And it's got the 16K expansion pack. Yeah. I was eyeing and that, but I didn't really need it, so. <laughs> well, I, I, to, I, I thought the case was neat, though. Yeah, the said I couldn't resist with the case. Need like, carry your, you need to carry your MC-10 <laughs> around to people's houses. So. <laughs> oh, well, we're coming up uh, on our uh, hard stops. So we we uh, probably need to uh, run the outro. Did we announce that we have an update that Marco is getting married today? Mark Overhoser. Uh, yes. He's an Apple awesome. guy, all around good guy. And yep. he's getting married in just a couple minutes. So. Uh, and he's streaming it for us to be able to watch on YouTube. So yes. The link is in the chat. And if you guys want to watch, and uh, yeah, go ahead, uh, Mark Bosley. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Don't go, Marco. Push the button, Frank. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Cause Coco Talk is rocking the eight-bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the eight-bit world. Keeping the tandy flame alive We may be mocked, but we'll never stop Cause Coco Talk is rocking the eight-bit world 
Cutco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marenkis, Ron Delvo, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Different Daffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, 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 everybody.